You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum. How are you? Assalamualaikum, everybody. This is Zeba Hassan with Mommying While Muslim, and you can see right here that Uzma is gone. She's actually had um, a work emergency, so she'll be at work today. But I was so grateful and thankful that our lifestyle guru, so that Sadie, was able to like fill in for her last minute. So thank you so much, Solat, for joining us today, my dearest. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Your background looks different today. My background is different. I'm um, recording from the beach. I'm not to rub it in, but we kind of got this um, last minute rental, like I, I had mentioned earlier in the week, and we have never thought we would be the type of family that enjoys doing nothing. Because you know us, we're constantly on the go, 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 go. But to be honest with you, it's been an amazing recharging, refreshing break um, for all of us, including, you know, just sitting on the porch, chit-chatting, really getting to know the kids on a deeper level, you know, especially because we don't have, especially for my older two, that much time left before they have to move on with their own life. So I've been really absorbing and putting to heart all that extra time that I'm spending with the kids, especially because, you know, as soon as we get home, we're hitting the ground running with school. But I know that you've had uh, a couple of challenging weeks. And, you know, I just want to give you a virtual hug because with COVID, we can't really hug each other. So how is it going for you? And how are you feeling? Um, I definitely think it's been a challenging, um, you know, as you said, it's been a, a been a challenging couple of months um you know one of the things that i with covid i think everyone struggles with is that you know that feeling of you know what else is out there to do right now and we can't do so much what can we look forward to so um you know a couple of things you know firstly you know we are you know whoever knows us knows we are not pet people okay but we finally gave in and decided to adopt a cat, um, a kitten, actually. Her name's Jum Jum. And, oh, you know, I love it. Actually, she's not even a she, it's a he, actually, because we didn't get the original one. So, but, but we had already got everything set up by then, so we decided to keep the name Jum Jum because it's unisex, okay? And um, so we, uh, my daughter's done extensive research on adopting a cat, and uh, so if anyone needs any information on that, feel I can truly share all the research we did. So, you know, that was like one of the things that, you know, um, trying to do as a family um, to, you know, bring up, you know, our spirits. Um, apart from like some, uh, you know, you know, minor health issues and stuff. The other thing that I've been really struggling with, and I think I've mentioned it to you before, is the COVID shaming. I kind of have an idea what you mean, because I've had a couple of incidences that my, myself, considering we actually ended up with COVID, unfortunately. But what do you mean by COVID? And I think you're going to take over Uzma's um, soapbox moment. And girl, I'm giving you the mic. And let's Thank talk you. about COVID shaming. Thank you. Um, basically, trying to shame you about something to do with COVID. In my case, um, I've, you know, I've mentioned it to you, I've mentioned to a bunch of people 
you know, due to the fact that I can't travel to England anytime soon, I won't be visiting my family. There's really no, uh, you know, vacation plans. We can't do anything without worrying about the risk of catching COVID or, you know, worse, giving it to my mom or my sisters who are, you know, immune compromised. So we decided to do a safe journey um, and try and go cross country. Um, but obviously it's scary to go to a completely, you know, new place really uh, across, you know, across the country is, you know, at the minimum, it's going to take us like, you know, four days, right? Um, if we minimize the stops. So I had reached out to a uh, forum and just and I said, hey, has anyone done this before? Does anyone have any advice? So you had a bunch of people who were kind and were able to give me advice. And then you also had the people who were COVID shaming by trying to say, you know, um, I'm not going to go into what they said, but it was more to do with, you know, have you checked CDC facts? This isn't safe. Um, it was a lot of mean things said. It had nothing to do with what I was asking. You know, I'm just saying, people, you don't know me. You have no idea how strict I've been with um, the CDC guidelines. My background's in biotechnology. I understand, you know, I understand how viruses work and all that good stuff. So all I wanted to know was some, like, you know, advice from people who had already did, uh, done that. But, um, you know, I think people really need to understand we're all in this together right now. We're all scared. No one knows what the right thing is to do. And as people, as Muslims, as, you know, just human beings, we should basically be there for each other because no one knows what another person is going through and what their mental state is like. And especially with COVID, we've got to like balance things out with physical care and mental well-being because look at, you know, people look at the news, uh, divorce rates are rising, that, you know, um, you know, violence within families has risen, you know, um, even something that's less extreme as depression, um, we have to balance it out. So that was my soapbox, and you know I'm done venting now. So back to you, Zayba. Well, I I hope. <laughs> so I hope you feel better because I totally understand it. You know, we're living with a virus that not many people know about, um, and having I was you know, like, you know how strict we were. And we still got COVID people, like our entire family got COVID. We stayed, um, you know, we ended up, we're actually going to go and get rapid testing even after we come home from this particular trip, even though we literally physically have not left the house or the premises, just so that we can have uh, like a negative test written for that exact reason. You know, as things start coming up, we want to say, okay, we've all had it. We all tested negative and we're ready to move on. And I agree with you. It's just something that uh, you never know what's going on in somebody else's household, how careful they're being. Um, and, you know, my philosophy is always what somebody else thinks about you is none of my business. So I'm okay with doing what I need to do. Um, and I'm really sorry that you actually went through that because it stinks to be cyberbullied. And that's pretty much what happened with you is that you got cyberbullied. And we're all adults here and everybody knows how to make their own decisions and their own minds. So let's be mindful um, of that. And thank you so much for that soapbox moment. You handled it beautifully. But speaking of COVID, you know, we all had, um, at least for me, as you know, I reached my surge capacity and that happened about two to three months into quarantine. And I was going through this really low down 
this concept of like, is this it? What's going on? And in the mail, um, I opened up and I see this beautiful book. And I was just like, what is this? Who sent this to me? And as I'm reading the words, it's lifting my soul just a little bit, just a little bit. And Thankfully, so let's Zadie actually is the person who sent me the book. And now because she sent me that book, I send this book to everybody that's going through a dark, a, a, a tough time. And, you know, we're starting um, our scholarship series here at Mommy Well Muslim. And Usman and I always claim we are not scholars, but what we do do is bring you the information from the people's mouths themselves. And so you've probably seen her all over or not seen, heard from her because she's gonna be talking offline with us today. And I wanted to say, and I'm so excited because this was definitely a soul searching moment for me that we are joined today by A. Helwa, the author of Secrets of Divine Life. Um, she believes that every, I'm not gonna say she, Ahawa believes that every single person on earth is deeply inspired and loved by the divine. And it's something that I fundamentally believe in. So she is the writer who has inspired hundreds and thousands of readers um, through her passionate, poetic, and love-based approach to spirituality. And right now, when we're at this you know, pivotal moment in our lives where you know, this is an unseen chartered territory that we're all going right now, having some of these uh, snippets and words of wisdom and that connection to God is what I personally needed to kind of get through this moment. So thank you so much, Helwa, for joining us today. I can't even tell you how excited we are at Mommy Well Muslim. Assalamu alaikum. It's a pleasure to be on. And um, I've just been really looking forward to talking uh, with both of you. We talked even before we started recording how you don't want, I'm just going to let you explain to us, why do you not like doing interviews where you're actually, like right now, we're on video, where you are not refusing, but you're not necessarily partaking in the video portion. And that's the first thing, um, since we're talking about secrets of divine love, that's kind of the first thing that I wanted to um, bring up today. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, two things come up. I One of it is just guidance. When I prayed, uh, I just felt like I was supposed to stay anonymous and let the message speak for itself. And the other thing is I noticed, which I'm very guilty of this myself, is I've gone to different states to meet authors that I like. Um, so I get the appeal of that. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want people to attach my personality to the book as much as just realizing that these are teachings from Islam and from the theology of Islam. And it goes all the way back 1400 some years. And it's not my ideas. It's not something that I conceptualize in this different way. It's not a um, Islamic renewal or revolution of something new. It's just a return to what always was. And so when I sat with that, I just felt like in this instance, I felt guided for everyone to just, if they go from the book, hopefully they don't come to my personality, but then just go to the Quran. So um, help us, far as the audience for this, uh, who would you say the audience is for this book? When I started writing it, I had this in mind. I want the person 
who is looking to be seen, looking for love, and looking for the evidence that they matter. So it's not the perfect Muslim mm-hmm. at Jummah every Friday, although it can be. It's written for that person. And so sometimes the people who have every I dotted and T crossed, they don't like that the message is loving and accepting. Their criticism is, where is the fire and the fear and um, the verses of the Quran that says, you reach for Allah and fear and then hope, and all you're bringing is hope. And my response has always been, because the overwhelming message is fear, the rest of my days, if I just wrote about hope, it still wouldn't push it over the hill to equalize it. So I would say it's for the hopeless. One of the editors of the book was a girl <laughs> who was in Bible study uh, at a Christian university here. That was her major. And I, I gave her the book and I wanted to know if she found it offensive in any way. And so I wish I could share her notes with you because on the side bar of the book, she would write Bible verses and quotes from different saints and, um, you know, C.S. Lewis, St. Augustine, different people all along the side border. Like, wow, this sounds so familiar to this. And I think what amazes her is that she thought because Christianity came first that it inspired Islam. And of course, there's a big influence of the gospel and Jesus. But a lot of the personalities had come before the saints that she was quoting. And so that became interesting. And her response to the book was, man, it really made me appreciate the Bible more because that's the book of revelation she follows and for me that was like i was so excited about that you know and at my meanwhile muslim some of our accidental audience uh happens to be a majority actually happen to be um, non-muslim the reality is a lot of people are looking for that commonality and that connectivity across all faith base and i fundamentally believe that god is the root for all of them. So I do appreciate that um, analogy. And, and actually, it's so weird because that was my question to you. Like, what are the lessons that are learned in secrets that we can carry over to interfaith activities? Because I do agree with you that a lot of our commonalities be- across religions, even a lot of these Eastern religions that I've been currently studying, have a lot of similarities. Uh, quite a few amount of people who have a spouse that's Muslim but maybe they're Christian or Jewish. And so they're like, you know, my significant other gave me this book and I really, like, I feel like I understand their religion more. And I think as people, when we approach these spaces as not like a secret agenda to get everyone to believe what we believe, but instead come with the intention of listening to their experience, learning from their experience and realizing that beyond belief, the humanness that we have, that connection, um, can transcend these ideas that we have. Because at the, at the core of what Jesus brought was service and love. At the core of what the prophet peace upon him brought was mercy, love, and service. You know, what Moses, peace be upon him, brought also is a level of service. You know, you have the story where he's exiled from Egypt, 
and he's sitting under a tree and he's asking Allah for help. And the response is, go help them <laughs> get their animal watered. And that's, his, that's Allah's response to asking for something good. You know, actually, it's not directly like, uh, you know, related to the question that Zeba just asked. But, you know, as moms, um, well, you know, just in women in general, what, in your opinion, in your opinion, can impede our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I think that the first thing that comes up and something I've noticed is that the desire to control things and make sure everything is in order seems to be something that impedes because I think mothers love, they want their children to be well off, successful, protected, secure, and all these things that are so normal. And sometimes it's hard, it's a struggle to let go and trust that God has a plan for them. Allah is the planner. That your children, your spouse, in the Quran it talks about them being a test, not that they're bad, but that it's an opportunity for you to choose whether you turn to yourself and self-management or turn to Allah. Because remember, Moses' mother had to put him in the river and let him go. And that's, that whole verse, the series of verses is so deep because she was going to mess it up because she loved him so much. And Allah says if it was not for us, he came down and like put some water on that fire of passion, you would have, it would have messed up the plan, right? And once she gave in, Allah brought him back to her and she became the wet nurse. I absolutely love your book. I had no problem going through your book and now it's like, a, you know, it's next to my, it's on my bedstand and I'm always picking up a reference and my, it's funny, my 11 year old daughter, she actually picked up this book and she goes, oh, I'm going to go through and highlight this. I'm like, okay. She goes, yeah, there's some good advice in there. I could do with it. I mean, she hasn't read the whole book, but she's gone through and she really liked the book for her. Um, you know, no, please, no one judge me. No one hate my child. But, you know, we, you know, traditionally the way, you know, Islam has been taught to her, it has Obviously, we talk about the Muslimless and the uh, 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 about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, but there is a lot of if you do not do this, you will go to hell. I mean, yes, that is a fact, but unfortunately, you know, this is also the child who keeps reminding me, Mama, don't you remember when I was four years old? You know, in Islamic school, they gave me a picture of not reading of someone not reading the math, and then there was a devil behind them, and I'm like, I think it traumatized. She she quotes me that story every single time. So the fact that she picked up this book of her own free will and she highlighted it with the stuff that she uh, really enjoys about it was a big deal because for her it was, mom, it talked about love and it talked about, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being someone who has lots of love for me and he's going to love me whatever, you know, I do. And I didn't want to like emphasize on the word whatever, but I just said, yes, that is indeed true. And it just meant a lot to me that my 11 year old really loves this book. And, you know, if there was, um, you know, uh, a, if there was a, uh, a slimmer version of this book, 
I would love this to be a children's book for kids because I think everyone needs a reminder of how beautiful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love is, okay? And, um, you know, until there is that slimmer version, if we're going to have people like my daughter who are highlighting my book and I have pink highlighter all over it right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, my question is for the people who are struggling going through this book because in they have been brought up with a different way of thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his love and his guidance. What advice would you give to them on how to get through this book? Well, I would say that returning to the Sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon him, there is a reason there is these figures in history. Um, you know, we have 25 of them in the Quran um, who show us how to live life mercy. I know the chapter on Shahada in the book, I talk about Muhammad, peace be upon him, and the importance of him actualizing the call of monotheism. You can read the Quran, and you could read teachings, but you may be confused at how to put them into practice. The messenger and the message are not separate. And so I think for people reading it who've had a different experience with Islam, I think we have to remember fear is always used this idea of keeping people in line. You can't just make up love. You can't use fear to bring out love. So we need to turn away from this coercion of fear and let people have a taste of God's love. And that's why when I went to college and cared too much about religion, because somebody said, how are you doing? They didn't say, did you pray? And I'll never forget. She asked again. She said, no, I want to know how you are. And then I just started crying. And a crack happened in my heart. And it was in that shower. She said, you're not obligated to pray with us. But if you'd like to, you're welcome to. And if you're not, you don't have to. I've actually told people, you know, my my views on prayer is a little is a little, you know, not in the the mainstream. But you know, I do pray five times a day, but not because I feel like if I don't, God is going to be mad at me. I feel like God understands that I need prayer in order to find peace and a reconnection with myself throughout the day. So even with my own kids, I'm not like, you have to pray or this and that. I just go do it. And I would say eight out of 10 times, they'll come and join me. And it's more of um, an exercise in getting reconnected, taking a break throughout your day. Um, and not because I feel like, you know, if I don't pray, I'm going to hell. And I know that's not necessarily the common um, view. So I don't want to say that my viewpoints, you know, are expressed. Um, it's it, they're my viewpoints. Um, but I definitely feel more of that spiritual connection with God. And I do all the far things, but I agree with you. I, I come from a place of um, love and connection versus if I don't do this, something bad is going to happen to me. Me personally, um, you know, when I do pray, I try and be mindful of the actions that I'm doing and treat namaz from what I understand the way it was meant to be treated, not only having that, uh, that connection with God, but to have a break in your day. So I know a lot of us don't read mm -hmm. five times a day on time. But if we were to, it would be that break in the day that, you know, to give us that um, 
time to get refreshed and be able to connect with God again. And uh, for me, when I was reading uh, your book, what it jumped out at me, there were so many fantastic exercises and, and words and literature in there, which I could incorporate within my meditation practice. Um, and I remember I had reached out to you and said, hey, have you considered doing some sort of follow-on journal, uh, journal that I could use while reading your book and incorporate into my day-to-day practices? And you had uh, mentioned a Jim Journal. Um, there are um, a company based out of England. Would you be able to talk more about them and how we could use the Jim Journal in conjunction with your book and, you know, to help expand our knowledge of your book and also to help with our day-to-day well-being so yeah the team journal is sort of a gratitude journal mixed with reflections from um, scholars in islam which is the quran hadith it's made beautifully and it's constantly calling you to reflect on what you're grateful for and i just find that as like a perfect companion uh, to this book because you have an opportunity put into practice sort of written out for you you know one final question for everybody where like where do you see yourself um in five years from now and where can our audience members if they haven't already looked you up where can they find you i probably will be traveling and i think me in regards to writing i've been actually talking to some of my friends trying to find ways to bring their content out. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I know here at Mommy Wall Muslim, we're definitely about, you know, elevating um, specifically female and female voices. So I I definitely appreciate everything that you're doing. And, you know, we are now going to be recording on Fridays, which is why we're a little bit, uh, because I'm taking Mondays off to be with my children and homeschooling. And that's going to be our fun Mondays or what we're going to do. So we are going to be continuing this scholarship, female scholarship program, um, we're going to be doing that for the next couple of weeks. Um, Salat, thank you so much for joining and filling in for Uzma, who poor woman had to go into work at the crack of dawn today, fighting the front lines of COVID with her elderly mm-hmm. patients. So I have to say thank you, Uzma, for doing that. And Helwa, thank you so much for joining us today. And we very much look forward to seeing where you go with this. Thank you so much. And until next time, everybody, thank you for joining us here today at Mommy Well Muslim. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.